What are you most proud of in your working life? It is you lot. It is the the environment that we've created. We're all kind of quite in awe of everybody else. And, and I think that when I look around and think, God, this is, I have to pinch myself that this is something that we wanted, we've created, and everyone's kind of just running with it now. It's a nice place to work. Hello and welcome to the Soapbox podcast, a podcast that gives you an insight into the people that do insight best. I'm Richard Brown, a research director at Box Clever, and I'm joined by my glamorous co-host Tilly Lewis, our marketing manager. Combined, we make the Soapboxes. Now, Box Clever, as many of you will know, is a full-service market research agency based in Leeds, and we're all smart, creative thinkers, and as such, we do like to get on our soapbox. We often have plenty to say. As insight specialists, we spend our time helping our clients understand what makes consumers tick. But on this podcast, we'll find out what makes the people behind the insights tick, what keeps them up at night, and what makes them who they are. So, for our first ever episode, there could only be one guest. One of the founders of Bots Clever, 11 years ago, the legend, the lover of all things vintage, the queen of quant, it's Catherine Boxall. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today, slash letting us gently coerce you into bringing you here today. You are known as someone that takes a complicated, makes it simple, and as someone that is fun and engaging, hopefully we'll see some evidence of that today. So, Catherine, tell us, how did you end up in research? So, I never had a great plan to be a researcher, like most people, I think, that go into research. So, I was at university and uh, doing a marketing and business degree, and I messed up my first placement. So, the first placement was six months, and I thought, I really want to be a an accountant, no laughing. And so I went away and did my placement as a, as an accountant, but it was so, I was so bad at it and it just wasn't for me. So decided that actually I was going to do something else, set up a new placement. When the next round of placements came around, I thought I need to up my game here. So I decided I wanted to go to London, wanted to just see what was available there. And I went to work for the Daily Express and the Daily Star no giggling. And I spent six months with their research team and absolutely loved it. I mean, there was nothing glamorous. I was photocopying, I was checking data, but I just sucked up all the experience of being there. And and after that, I joined the GFK graduate scheme and that was it. Never looked back. Um, well, sometimes. <laughs> and what was it about accountancy that initially <laughs> held all that allure? funny that do you know what I didn't know what we need to do and I thought that felt like a, a grown-up job that you know people who had a good career seemed to do with no thought all about what the actual role would involve and you know it's auditing it just wasn't you know I'm sure for lots of people you know they give it a bit more of a shot than I did but I knew really quickly this wasn't going to be my bag Actually, that leads on quite nicely to something we wanted to ask you for the youngsters out there who were keen to embark on a career in insight. What advice would you 
give to them? Don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big believer in Wibblicaria. So I don't think you need to have that linear goal of I want to be an accountant, therefore I'm going to do this. I think it's about trying lots of different things and seeing what sticks. And in whatever you're doing, if you give that your all, and if you hate it, you know, flip it and do something different. But try and find, don't be looking for the ultimate career. Just see what feels right, see what you enjoy and make mistakes. It's perfectly fine. Just, you know, don't flip it if it's not the right thing for you. This is topical because my, my son keeps asking me this question. It's also okay to, to not know what you want to do yeah, either. exactly. And when you set up Box Clever, what was your vision? What did you want to achieve? Oh, this is a tricky one. So Sam, Claire and I were all working together and we were all looking after different parts of a much bigger team. And I think we got to a stage where we just felt we're managing the team, we're troubleshooting we're not really doing the stuff that makes us want to get out of bed in the morning. And we were doing that typical director thing of, you know, presenting somebody else's work, taking the credit for it, having not a real clue about what had actually happened or, you know, the reasons for asking those questions, all the kind of detail. And we just thought, you know what, we can do this for ourselves. And I have to be honest, it was a bit of a, I don't think I took it particularly seriously. I just thought we'll try this and see what happens. That's what we did. And we suddenly realized there was a real need for clients, for senior people who were going to stick with the project, be involved from the beginning to the end. And that's what we wanted to create. And that's what we've still got today, which is, which is brilliant. Also, I had a really young family. So there was, there was a definitely an element of, I want to be around a bit more. I don't want to be working ridiculous hours. And I want to just be a bit more present. And Sam and Claire were at a similar stage. So I think it was the work-life balance and also feeling that we were delivering something that was, was valuable to clients. Take us further back, Catherine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now you're involved. What kind of kid were you? What were you like at school? What was I like at school? I was, on the surface of it, I was very well-behaved. I got away with a lot because I worked quite hard and did most of the things that I was asked to do. But underneath that, it meant that I could, you know, do things like not turn up to certain lessons if there was a particularly good sale on in Leeds that needed <laughs> to be shot by myself and my friend Helen. So not perfect, but I did I did work quite hard. I don't like thinking that I can't achieve something. So I did I did work hard, but I also messed about behind people's backs quite a lot. All things changed. <laughs> what do you think the biggest thing is? you got away with then oh no are my kids gonna listen to this? <laughs> it seems so unlikely that nothing they would. i just it seems so unlikely would you write um we went to blackpool for the day once when we were supposed to be doing our work experience that was quite fun and generally just little things like we used to pretend we were doing the general studies uh, modular for example and then we disappear off into leeds i did a lot of shopping yeah i'm good at it though <laughs> it's developed my skill in retail research do you have a motto or a mantra that you try to live by? I think I am a massive believer in, in work-life balance and being present for your family, your friends, all those kinds of things I think are really important. But one of the first things, my very first job, um, someone said to me, just don't regret anything. And I remember thinking, you can't get to your age. She was probably my age, your ripe old age, and, and there must be regrets. But I think it's quite an important thing to stick by because you make the right decision at the right time. Mm -hmm. So I do try and, you know, I'm sure I've done lots of things that have not been right or uh, in hindsight, but actually they were right at the time. So don't have any regrets, I think. And this incredible advice that you were given, <laughs> am I right in thinking that 
your first job was in a bingo hall. Oh, and, that's, <laughs> and that's where that advice would have come from. <laughs> Brenda in the bingo hall. No, it wasn't from Brenda. But yes, my first job was in a bingo hall and I absolutely loved it. It was in Armley, around the corner, so just outside Leeds. And it was cigarette-filled hall with the most interesting people who came in their slippers and rollers. And it was just, it was just so much fun. I worked behind the bar. And I worked chopping onions in the kitchen, making these vats of curry sauce and wearing the most gorgeous outfit, which was like a, a nylon orange thing suit. But it was brilliant. I had an absolute ball working there. It sounds from that description of the bingo hall that you grew up in the late 60s, early 70s. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure that is true, but I do wonder what's oh. gone from your childhood from years gone by that you'd love to bring back that you really miss? Oh, that's difficult. Well, I'm going to say Seabrook, Chris, but they're still around, aren't they? We've, that's topical because we've had that chat this morning. Um, I think danger, just a bit of, there's a little bit too, oh God, I sound really old. There's a little bit too much health and safety. You know, I don't, I, I like those roundabouts that they, we used to have. I do sound a hundred years old, you know, that you can hang off the side and you, there's a danger at any point you might slip underneath and break a few limbs. But I think that we with our kids, we just, Everything's just a little bit bubble wrapped. And mm -hmm. uh, I just, I mean, my kids are an exception probably, but I think I miss that, that, you know, the jeopardy of just going out to play. Mm. And the rollerblades, roller skates, they're still around, but not in the way that we used to use them. We've heard about accountancy. <laughs> We've heard about bingo calling. Oh, it doesn't feel as though either of those were your true calling. No. If it hadn't been a career in market research and insight, what do you think realistically it would have been? I think anything with people I quite like. It's the people within this job that interest me. But I do have a secret. I would love to have been a florist. So that's something that, you know, quite different to market research. But if I could have, you know, if I could have done absolutely anything, then maybe that. Do you have any niche or, or geeky interests? Well, in the interest of this floristry shop, I am doing a, a floristry course in a couple of weeks, which is something I've wanted to do for ages. I'm doing that. And on my theme of being middle-aged, I am quite good at decorating cakes. So, but only something ridiculous, like a kid's cake with a ridiculous amount of fondant and things that you can hide. Can't bake them, but I can, I can decorate them quite well. You mentioned middle age, Catherine. It makes me wonder, how do you feel about getting older, full disclosure, mm. I'm massively struggling. <laughs> uh, I'm not coping. Projection. I'm not bothered. I know the right thing to say is it's a concern, but actually it's just not, I'm, I feel more comfortable. It makes me feel old in the office sometimes when we have, you know, we've got something new, like... When these, these, when these people in their 30s are rocking rock up. Yeah. <laughs> and we're an older group, so thank God I don't work with, you know, lots of younger people. No, it doesn't really bother me. I just get, I think I get a bit happier as I get older. I'm more content about my life, my family, my friends. That's not a very interesting answer, but that's the truth. The reason I ask is, is a genuine question. I'm not sure I was great at being young. I, I think I'm were. probably... I wasn't. I think I'm better at being a bit, <laughs> a bit older. And Why? I think there's a lot of pressure when you're young to be having a great time and to be, I want to say cool. Obviously, that's not a cool thing to right. say, but do you know what I mean? To, to be yeah, on yeah. it and to be, be living your life. But actually, I, I was working really hard and struggling with who I was yeah. and not always comfortable. You know, and I, I think I can identify with what you say about having got a bit older, caring a bit less and feeling a bit more happy with who I am. But at the same time, looking in the mirror, 
and getting together with my friends and we're all just like, Jesus. <laughs> Where did that ring We are really from? getting old, aren't we? <laughs> Do you think you worry less about what other people think as you get older? I am very sensitive. I've always worried about what people think. I think I give them these days less reason to think bad things about me, hopefully. But yeah, <laughs> well, I probably do you say that. <laughs> yeah, less, not none. Okay. But yeah, I think I do care a little bit less or maybe just a little bit more in a comfort zone, perhaps. It's interesting because I think my early, when I was, I just started working and I was quite, and we're not supposed to use this right now, but I was quite driven. I'd put everything and more into everything, every project I did or every, you know, assignment that you were set. But I definitely went above and beyond to a point where it was detrimental to, you know, my, my, my social life. And I think I chucked myself into everything. Whereas now, obviously, we still do that, but we don't take on the amount of work that would hopefully, usually, um, mean that we're all working 90-hour weeks. That's not what mm. we're about. So I think you just learn to prioritise things a little bit more as you get older. I've had this conversation with, with people before who are in our kind of age bracket and are parents, yeah. as we are. I do worry a little bit about younger generations mm. in that you do have to try. You do have to be driven. You do have to put some effort in to mm. get a return on things. And sometimes when I engage with my kids and, and hear about, you know, um, younger people, I'm a little bit worried that there's this instant gratification culture. And because I want something, I should have something. Mm. You don't have to earn things. Yeah. Your kids are a little bit older than mine. Mm. Different stage of development i mean how, how do you feel about that i think you're right i think it's really easy though to say oh that's that generation and that's how i think it's more complicated than that i think you still have people who are just will go out and do that because they want to do the very best but there is definitely that instant you see i see it with my kids and i just think no you need to understand that you need to build to this or it takes time and i was listening to something the other week about this guy was calling invisible pr and it is exactly the fact that it's your reputation it's the fact that if you're working in that coffee shop and i have this conversation with my 15 year old you're working in that coffee shop just give it everything because you never know where that's going to lead and if that's your work ethic early on it's going to stay with you and this this kind of invisible pr is a lot that you know all of us at box club have built our careers around that just being very good at what we do, not letting clients down and earning that that kind of trust and that next project. And I know you weren't asking me that about a work context, but it all kind of ties into one. I think you, your reputation is, is is everything. That's how uh, I got my job. There you go, you see. <laughs> yep, From a coffee shop to box uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell that story for you. <laughs> I think you should tell that. To put it into context, uh, I um, used to have a coffee shop cafe in Harrogate and Catherine was one of my regulars and it was through that through the connection of Catherine that I uh, was lucky enough to get my position at at Box Clever as the marketing manager so way more complicated than that so <laughs> she was incredible it. at running her own <laughs> business they, they took over this coffee shop that didn't have a huge client base <laughs> and then suddenly it was the most popular place in in Harrogate and it was just a brilliant place to go and so when Tilly sold that on we needed someone for marketing and it's that invisible PR she was just amazing and I knew that she would just do everything that she's done at Box Clever with bells on she's just you know done a great job and you just know sometimes that 
someone's the right person for what you need. Thanks, Catherine. (laughs) Pay me later. And while that is true, I cannot remember you ever making me a tea or a coffee. Well, that is lies. (laughs) She does come in in the morning and the first thing she does is clean out the coffee machine. (laughs) I do, actually. I like to feel like I'm still in the cafe. Cash up. (laughs) Catherine, a serious question for you here. You're stuck on a dessert island. But which dessert would you most like it to be? Oh, that's so hard. So I've got a really sweet tooth. So I've got questions. So is this a warm island or a cold island? It can be, it's your island. You, it's my island. You okay. can, it can be whatever you want it to be. So can it be an island of different parts? You're overcomplicating no, it No, I know I am, but it's important to me. So, right, okay. So I'd quite like, when it's cold... I'd quite like a sticky toffee pudding Oof. with ice cream. Yeah. And then when it warms up, I'll have a pavlova. Then Pam's fruitcake at Christmas. My favourite. And my brother's shortbread caramel. Ooh. I know. All that sugar. No. And then I need, a re- I need to run around the island for a long time. <laughs> Eat your way around. Yeah. How do you feel you've changed over time, either for better or worse? Better. I'm more patient. And I'm definitely more tolerant. I think we might not think that sometimes. I'm not as hot-headed as I was when I was younger. So that's my ginger gene. I'm blaming for that. Worse, I have got quite high expectations and I'm not sure I'm always, I'm said I'm being more tolerant, but sometimes I think you need to look outside of, you know, why things are not done the way that I might want them doing. So do I do like to have my own way. Do you think those changes have happened organically? By accident or have you tried to develop who you are over time oh i haven't tried <laughs> i'd love to say i've read all these self-help books and all of those things but no i think through lessons just kind of you know there was just things that you can't i'm quite a big believer in you can't influence everything you can't be in control of everything and you learn that through getting older and how things develop so no i think it's more organic than i've put a lot of effort into it do you think you've peaked or is the best yet to come? Professionally or personally? You can answer that question oh, however you like. I like structure. No, I th- every year I think I'm very grateful for what we've what we've got at work, what I've got at my personal life. And anyway, there were ups and downs, but every year I kind of think, oh, that was a good year. And so I'm more content. So there probably is just different to come, more adventures to come, I think, rather than um, more highlights. I don't know. I'm open to it all. And what about in your career? What's been your best moment in research? It's quite predictable, but it was bloody amazing. When we won, we so we set up, we were quite, well, we, let's just see what happens. And, and it wasn't a great time for me personally, because um, we set up, I had a, two very little children and then Mark lost his job. So this idea of, well, you know, it's a bit of a game. Let's just see what happens. Suddenly it has to be you know, it's got to be serious. We've, we've, we've really got to make this work. And we went along to the MRS's award ceremony, just thinking, well, we'll have a table, we'll take some clients. And we'd put in a submission. I'd never written an award submission in my life before. And we put in a submission for Best New Agency. And honestly, we had no thought. We would have drunk a lot less if we thought we were going to be up on that stage in those heels. Yeah, and we won it. And it was just incredible. And we completely forgot about the clients that had come with us. We just had an absolute ball of an evening. And it was such a surprise, a genuine surprise. And it just, it did good things for us. You know, it made us more confident and 
it just gave us that kind of stamp of approval that other people felt that we were not these three cowboys just having a go that actually yeah, it was it reassurance probably of your hard work. Yeah. yeah so so definitely that did you have to give a like an acceptance speech on stage oh thank god i did think <laughs> we were halfway upstairs and i thought i should have bought a better dress <laughs> but no we didn't thankfully let's flip that question on its head what's been the worst moment in your career oh rich change the atmosphere Apart from today. <laughs> this is up there. <laughs> um, I have to say, you live this with us, but COVID was pretty awful. That March 2020 was was quite horrible. And for everyone, you know, personally, we're all, you know, suddenly stuck with not knowing what's happening with the kids and, and, and all that. But equally for work, we were suddenly like, what the heck? Are our clients ever going to come back? We had clients saying, you know, pulling things left, right and centre. And we had some really really teary emotional conversations between me sam and claire about what you know what we're going to do i know what this sounds like but we all, we genuinely care about the people that work in our little team we were very aware that any decisions we made were were massive so it, it was really tough and there wasn't a huge amount of sleep that happened i think for the at least for the first few weeks mm. when we were trying to work out what do we do with furlough, all those horrible decisions. So, and I'm, I'm very aware that they impacted other people and we were really fortunate that we bounced back super quickly. But that was, yeah, that wasn't fun. Don't want to do that again. I don't think that was as bad as when I finished a focus group and the senior stakeholder said, that was vanilla. Oh, <laughs> true. Oof. It is true, yeah. I mean, I did challenge that. I did say... Well, actually, I think vanilla is a cracking flavour <laughs> and is underrated. Fresh pods. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we got a lot out of it. Um, I also had a guy fall asleep in a debrief oh, God. as close to me, Tilly, as you are now. Which is pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> I just ploughed on. Did he snore? <laughs> he didn't. It did look a, like a really restful slumber. You know, he obviously needed it. I don't think it was a reflection on the insight. We'll never know. When's your next appraisal? <laughs> Aliens, Catherine. Oh, your opinions, please. They definitely exist. What makes you say that? They must do. We can't be the only people out there. Yeah, they do. It's not That's not a question. That's just a statement. Well, that's the headline, isn't it? <laughs> Aliens are a fact. Yeah. Catherine Boxall. <laughs> do you think if they made contact they would be friendly, aggressive? What would the, these aliens that you absolutely believe in, what would their stance be? Do you believe in aliens? I don't think it's impossible. I'm not as sure about it as you are. <laughs> you see, you're making me question myself now. I think they'd be really surprised. I think they'd be friendly and, and hugely curious. They'd I mean, probably be really disappointed as well. With wouldn't us. they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's well, too many weird things. I know exactly what would happen. The flying saucer would land, right, in Leeds. Catherine would go out to meet them. Yeah. With a nice cup of tea and some cakes. First Nicely decorated as well. Oh, yes. well, Severance, I'll have yeah. a few selection of cakes. Mm. First question would be, who's looking after your insight? <laughs> what do you really know about this planet that you've landed on? <laughs> have do you segmented exactly. us? Exactly. Do you yeah. need a Good hybrid point. segmentation? I think you do, yeah. You think you know, yeah, you don't. Exactly. We've come across many of those clients. You, you bring us around to clients. We did have a question about if you could ask our clients to do just one thing differently that would make your life better, what would that be? Oh, Rich. If, if you answered a question about aliens, no problem. <laughs> a question about clients, oh. 
I think the right answer is we've got a very good set of clients who do everything that we want them to do the way that we ask them to do, which is rubbish. I'd like better briefs. I would like them to read stuff that we send to them, as in, you know, before we actually get to a debrief in front of people, just those kinds of things. But I think the big thing is just a, just a better brief will be. What is a better brief? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, clarity. And we're very good. If you say to us, this is what the business objective is. If you give us a whole list of questions that you want to ask in the questionnaire, then that's not so useful. So I think just let us know on a higher level, <laughs> what do you want to know? And then we can work backwards from there and answer our questions because, you know, we try not to make it difficult to work with us. What are you most proud of in your working life? I want to come up with something really funny for this, but it is you lot. It is the the environment that we've created, everybody. And we often will do a little, oh my God, have you seen what so-and-so has presented? It's incredible. And there is that, and we've talked about this when we've had our agency days, but we're all kind of quite in awe of everybody else. And and I think that when I look around and think, God, this is, I have to pinch myself that this is something that we wanted, we've created, and everyone's kind of just running with it now. It's a, it's a nice place to work. Where do you stand on the chips versus fries versus wedges debate? I've got very strong views. I know you have because it's food. Chips, fat chips, preferably triple cooked, preferably outside in salt burn. That'd be nice. Oh, Devon. Yeah. Loads of vinegar. And fries, there's no need for fries. And wedges are a bit. Well, where, where do you stand? Well, I want to hear from Tilly. I can feel her fuming. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, there's a time and a place for <laughs> for fries. That's fine. But I'm I'm with Catherine. I'm I'm chips. Wedges are fine overrated. I think they they look nice, but they never taste as good as they look. Exactly. Wedges. They're just what is the point? They're not a roast potato. They're not a chip. They're absolutely not fries. They're I trying just to cling know. on to too much. They're, They're just were... pointless. Get rid of them. So what's your answer then? Big fat. I chips. think good chips, proper chips, done well. Yeah. In the right context, is the picture you paint is lovely. Mm, yeah. And I'm with that. You know, I grew up in Great Yarmouth, by the sea, proper fish and chips, chips on the market, really, really good. Keep it simple. But when you get bad chips. Yeah, disappointing. So calories. disappointing, which is the safety shot is often fries. Fries are hard to get get wrong mm. and done well can be can be really, really good. I mean, I wouldn't want to have like a burger with big fat chips. Yeah, I'd I want, know what you mean. I'd That's want really much. crispy, salty yeah, fries yeah. in mm. that scenario. But I just can't think of any scenario that I'd want I'd want wedges. When I was a kid, you used to get the option, do you want chips or do you want a jacket potato? Can you imagine that? You'll have a burger with a, with a jacket potato next to it. That's great, Yarmouth. We never got that. <laughs> Did you not get that? No. I'm glad we're playing to the northern stereotype yeah. here of discussing <laughs> chips. Well, whilst we are on potato <laughs> subjects, crisps, Catherine. Oh, yes. What's the go-to crisp? Well, as you know, because I'm very vocal about it, I like a prawn cocktail. Mm-hmm. And I like a, preferably, a seabrook prawn cocktail. And if they've not got those, then a nice and spicy knickknack. So you like a smelly crisp? I, I like a smelly crisp. <laughs> you do like a smelly crisp. And when I moved to London, this was one of the things I missed a lot, was seabrook crisps. This is all we talk about work. It's like being in the office. Food. food. We basically love yeah. our food. I think we should stick with food for the time being. For the warm-up, we talked about what breakfast we'd had today. Yeah. But I would like to know what your absolutely ideal breakfast is. Yeah. Walk right. us through it, Catherine. Come on. So location wise, 
because they've got to be in the right location. I'd like to be, there's a there's a place called Maria's in Portugal, which is one of my favourite restaurants, right on the beach with my friends and some of my family. And I'd like a little fruit salad to start with. And then I'd like a glass of something fizzy because it's brunch, right? Yeah. And then Eggs Benedict. Ooh. Yeah, a good Eggs Benedict. Does Maria do a good Eggs Benedict? I've never been there for it. We're usually there when it's getting dark because <laughs> the sun's going down. Um, but that would do me. And then maybe if I've got room, I'll have a few pancakes as well. What sort of pancake are we talking about, though? Well, a traditional, none of Karen's type American pancake. I want a traditional British pancake with lots of maple syrup on. But thin, that's what I mean. And is that, is that why you voted leave? Because of the lack of proper <laughs> British... I'm not having, I'm not having Brussels. Mean... Tell me how to eat my pancakes. I knew you were going to say that. It's because Karen talks about the, the American pancakes. They just There's too much pancake. The pancake to maple like, syrup for ratio. Those, for the listeners that can't see, Catherine did an amazing hand motion. <laughs> That's the thickness of the pancake. I oh. think maybe you just haven't had good American pancakes. Maybe. Is it, the thick, is it the thickness? It's the thickness. Mm. It's the ratio of maple syrup to pancake. I'd be wrong. You're more of a, like a crepe style, if, if you will. Yeah, I mean, basically, I'll just have the maple syrup. Mm. Yeah, I've got a really sweet tooth. <laughs> um, now, thinking back on your life. I'm not is, dead. <laughs> <laughs> is there somebody that you feel like you should say sorry to them? Yeah, probably loads of people. I'm quite sorry to Sam quite a lot because I am I do take things out on him quite a lot and Claire's very good at mediating in the middle. But equally, that works both ways because he's quite the fiery back. But I think that's what works. But yeah, a li- maybe a small sorry to Sam. <laughs> Not a massive, great big grovelling apology. No. And is there somebody from your dim and distant past that you'd like to say thank you to? This is a rarity. Until you will know this, but I would quite like to say thank you to Mark, my husband, uh, which is very predictable. I know that, but I don't do thank yous very often. And in this whole kind of work thing, he gave up. He didn't go back to work. He looked after the kids. He helped balance the, the chaos that is the house and, you know, just having a family so that I could really get stuck into Box Clever. And that was a real shift for him. I, it wasn't an easy progression going from you know, being on the building sites to the, as it was at the time, not particularly male-friendly school playground. So I think, you know, in India, did that brilliantly. And so I think, yeah, he probably deserves a thank you. Tell us about a brand or a product that you have an emotional connection with. I'm quite connected with, and, and I know you're all going to sigh because it's not that sexy or interesting, but I, I do like Marks and Spencers. <laughs> They've given me the Percy Pigs when I've needed them. And and I love the fact that they've, obviously they are a client currently. I love the fact that they've really taken on board that the stuff needs to be changed and they've listened and they're doing some great stuff with it. And I was saying to you guys, I went in there yesterday, bought my son his first suit, which was a, a whole experience in itself. But it was brilliant. It's so different. So they've changed it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that feel quite a, a warmth towards M&S and, and it's quite nice to see them coming back. Um, enjoying that again not a hilarious answer but that's the truth you got any regrets no i don't have regrets i told you that earlier i don't i think there are things i could have done differently things i could have done better it's not a regret because i couldn't have done it at the time but i wish that i'd gone traveling i wish that i had had the courage to finish probably not even university finish my levels and then go off for a year because or even however long that would have been i think that would have been amazing and I should have done that but I just you know financially couldn't afford to do it 
I was in this, exactly the same situation. Mm. I didn't go. Other people did. Mm. What do you think you missed? I think I miss seeing a bigger world, which hopefully we've made up for since, and just be more open to different people. So when, when I moved down to London, you know, I'd lived in Leeds, lived in Newcastle, moved to London for what was going to be a couple of years, and then I ended up staying there for 12. And that opened my eyes. And I think just more of that with bigger eyes. And I guess I did a lot of travelling in my first job. So when I was on the graduate scheme, we had a lot of international clients and I could not understand why people more senior than me were not putting their hands up to go over to South Korea or Beijing and do all the, you know, the, what I thought was really cool stuff. As I got older, I got that, you know, it's, it's quite time consuming and all that. But when I worked for them, they were brilliant at letting me, you know, go out to South Korea and then have an extra week there, which I obviously I paid for. But so I could travel in different ways. And just seeing what I'd missed was quite a regret. But, you know, when I've retired, maybe I'll pick that back up again. Where do you think you would choose to go? My sister lived in Australia for quite a while and we went out to see her, but we only saw a really small part of it. So I'd quite like to start there. And then I love Asia. So anywhere kind of traveling around Asia would be amazing. And doing that with the kids, trying to cram that in before they all, you know, they disappear off is something that we're trying to do quite a bit of. So probably Asia. This is your opportunity to have a moan. Okay. What really annoys you? What really winds you up? Bad manners. I really don't like that. If I see someone, you know, in a restaurant and they're speaking to like the waitress or whatever, I, that really gets my back up. I really can't stand that. People being impatient, can't stand that. You know, if you're in a queue of traffic, what can you do about it? Nothing. So just, you know, chill out. Those things really don't. But bad manners is the big one. I think there's no need for being rude to people. What's yours? Lateness. Oh, yeah, that's I a good I cannot one. stand lateness. Do you think that's as you've become a father? Or has no, it's just how I was brought up. I just am never late for anything ever. And if I am going to be five minutes late, I'm really, really stressed. I have to try not to be. I had to learn that sometimes people don't want you to be really punctual. You know, so if you said to me, oh, we're having a party, come around about like nine. <laughs> I'd be there at quarter to nine when you're thinking... 10 no, you know do you know what I mean not good. <laughs> so yeah I just I just think it's disrespectful I've when got, you're late for people I used to think that however my friends won't listen to this so it's fine not one no I have one friend who's on time the rest of them are always late so now I just try and get there late and I can't do it it's impossible but I've definitely become more tolerant of that I'm like oh, I'll just you know have it, an extra drink it is a bit different now I say now, <laughs> with mobile phones. Oh, you're um, so old. And there's more of a culture of texting, I'm setting off. But I still think if you agree to be somewhere at a certain time, yeah. then then you should be there at that time. Mm. I mean, like I remember one of my friends, this is a long time ago, but I was kind of waiting in for him all afternoon. And when he eventually turned up, he went, well, you weren't doing anything. And I was like, no, he was just waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> but they have changed. My My lazy late... Friends, now that they are older, more mature, got serious jobs, got kids, they're not late anymore. They know. They're dying to get out. That's what it is. That's the kid thing. <laughs> What's yours, Tilly? I'm in agreement with you with manners, but I another thing that really annoys me is um, the table manners, so how they eat. It's fine because he won't listen. But someone that I used to work for uh, in London, I used to sit opposite him in the office and he used to suck every single finger after he'd eaten even like a sandwich or something and, oh. it, and I used to sit there and be 
cringing and it probably aged me by about 73 years because it used to really wind me up. You know, we're all going to do that in the office after our nice and spicy knickknacks. Oh, yeah. It, it, that Probably that yeah. after, yeah, same with you with, with manners. It, it costs nothing to be polite and yeah. say please and thank you. I think we've got time for one more question. I was going to make it about scampi lemon knickknacks. Oh, yes. But they do repeat on you though. But I don't, I don't want to. I want to ask you about tattoos. Have you got any? What's your opinion on tattoos? Oh, I'm good on this one. So you, I didn't know this was coming. Old Catherine, oh, young Catherine, um, hated tattoos. My husband's got one, one colour rose. He's got a red rose. It's awful. But now I really want one. And my 50th birthday is coming up soon. And I think I might have one. Don't ask me what, because I don't know. Is it really going to be your 50th birthday? Well, I'm 47 now, so, you know, oh, I, I like right. to plan ahead. <laughs> it's going to be a, a big tattoo, it. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like a full sleeve. So, there you have it. It's not just clipboards, fabricating findings and taste testing. There's so much more to Insight and the people behind it. We must say, of course, a massive thank you to Catherine for being here with us and for being such an ace person. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. On our next episode, we're joined by Sam Gardner. Sam is another of Box Clever's founding partners and has been referred to as the Yorkshire Clint Eastwood of analytics. You will 100% want to listen in on that one, I'm sure. Although I'm also pretty sure we'll need to heavily edit everything he says before we broadcast it. As always, we would love to hear from you. So do get in touch with us via our Twitter account at WeBoxClever. And let's get a hashtag trending or whatever the youngsters call it. Hashtag SoapBoxClever. That's all one word. And you can also get in touch with me via email, which is Tilly, T-I-L-L-Y, Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, at boxcleverconsulting.com. So if there's a question about market research, insight, Box Clever, or you just want to talk more about desserts, please get in touch. Thank you for listening. <laughs>